Let us pray. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Acts 22.25 Dear Jesus, Because you have called me to be an effective leader, teach me through your Holy Spirit not only what to say, but how to say it in order to most powerfully impact my listeners. When I speak, help me to take into account impact and not image. Help me to evaluate my audience and communicate in a way that best connects to my listeners. As I do so, help me give them practical applications to the message they are receiving from me and how to execute your words of truth and impact in their lives. By your grace, Jesus, and through your power, I declare that I am a master communicator and that I am equipped to deliver with impact and empathy the message placed in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with us today. Continue your time with God by listening to today's Bible story. Brought to you by BibleInAYear.com Paul Beaten in Jerusalem In our last story, Paul said goodbye to the Ephesian church. He knew that danger awaited him in Jerusalem. The threat of danger and death was present, but Paul was determined to preach the gospel to his kin. So with great tears, Paul left Ephesus to Jerusalem. Now we see Paul taken up by an angry mob of Jews. He is beaten and nearly killed, but saved ultimately by his Roman citizenship, inspired by the book of Acts. Hello, this is Jack Graham once again with the Bible in a Year podcast. In our last episode, we heard how Paul brought a young man back to life after the youth fell from a third-story window. God continued to work through this great man in both his words and the signs he performed in the power of the Holy Spirit. We also heard Paul's farewell to the church at Ephesus, which he dearly loved. Today, we'll find Paul in Jerusalem, together with the church there, led by Jesus' own brother, James, who gives wise counsel to Paul. Despite his best efforts to make peace, the Jewish religious establishment in Asia will stir up hatred towards this godly man, nearly killing the Apostle Paul. So, let's listen now to this reading from the book of Acts. Paul went into Jerusalem under the cover of night. He and Luke wandered in through the city gates, hoods over their faces and torches snuffed. It was Passover, and the city was still filled with activity. Paul and Luke weaved through groups of people, avoiding fires and torches. Paul looked around the city. It had been a very long time since he had been in Jerusalem. The sweet spring air blew through the city, and Paul caught a glimpse of the large temple looming in the distance. The temple, God's holy dwelling. Paul smiled. He was thankful that now, thanks to Jesus, God dwelled in the hearts of men and women who believed. Luke and Paul made their way to the home of James, Jesus' brother. He greeted them warmly, and the three of them shared a meal with the elders. 
The church in Jerusalem was thriving under the leadership of James. However, the Jews were becoming increasingly more angry by the day. They are all zealous for the law, James said. And they speak about you quite often, Paul. Even I have heard stories from them. They say you tell them not to circumcise their children and to forsake Moses. James took a sip from his cup. There was clear concern on his face for keeping Paul safe. To the Jews, Paul was more than a threat. He was the best among them, and he turned to Jesus. If Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, could convert, then anyone could. So Paul represented vulnerability. They will hear that you have come, James said. You must do as I say if you want to stay alive. You will go to the temple and cleanse yourself. You will take part in the ceremonies so that they can clearly see you are not a menace to them. It was the best plan they had. If Paul remained hidden in the city for too long, it would only make him seem more guilty. So the next day, Paul went into the temple for the ceremony of purification. For seven days, he went through the old Jewish customs and attended the teachings of the synagogues. To Paul, it was a refreshing reminder of how much Jesus had done for him. Every ceremonial law written in the Law of Moses pointed towards the greater cleansing of Christ. So Paul went through the ceremonies joyfully, for they pointed towards a greater truth. Seven days passed, and Paul was nearly completed paying homage to the Jewish traditions. That was until the Jews from Asia came to Jerusalem. The group of Asian Jews had come to Jerusalem for the Passover. However, when they saw Paul, all they could think about was murder. Paul silently sat in the courtyard, watching the birds glide over the temple. All was peaceful until Paul received a swift blow to the back of his head. Paul fell forward into a fountain. Before he could get up, a strong hand held the back of his head down into the water. Paul flailed his arms, trying to break free. The men threw him out of the water and grabbed him by the hair. They dragged him into the middle of the courtyard. At this point, many people stopped to watch what was happening. Men of Israel, the men said. This is the man who has been teaching people to abandon our law in this temple. Gasps and chuckles filled the air. The Jews from Asia stirred up the crowd and formed a mob that stormed out of the temple with Paul being drugged by his hair. Once the gates closed behind them, they kicked him into a wall. Paul was surrounded. His back was against the wall, and a sea of angry glares were before him. They looked at Paul like hungry wolves ready to grab the throat. Paul knew that death was a possibility coming to Jerusalem, so he breathed deeply and chose to accept whatever the Lord had for him. The chief judge of Jerusalem got word that there was an angry mob forming outside the temple. He wasted no time and had centurions sent down at once. The soldiers ran down to where Paul was backed into a corner being beaten to death. The mob was shouting out accusations towards Paul so no centurion could get a good idea of what he was in trouble for. They acted quickly, for Paul was receiving the fury of over a hundred men. The soldiers broke up the angry mob and dispersed them. Then they bound Paul and took him to the judge. The crowd followed, shouting lies and spinning deceit. The courtroom doors swung open and the judge was surprised by a half-dead man in chains, followed by a hundred angry Jews. They all shouted and spat in Paul's direction, However, Paul kept his head down. What has this man done? the judge asked. However, he could not get a good answer, for all of them were speaking at once. 
Some said he was a sorcerer. Others said he corrupted their children. Others said he had violated the law of God and the law of the land. None of these were true, but the judge had no way of knowing. The soldiers were guarding Paul to make sure he was not killed by the mob behind them. The judge was growing flustered and ordered for Paul to be taken to the barracks. As Paul was being taken away, he whispered calmly to the judge, May I say something to you? The judge was perplexed. You can speak Greek? I thought you were the Egyptian assassin everyone has been talking about. Who are you? I am a Jew from Tarsus, Paul replied. I beg you, please permit me to speak with the people. The judge nodded and motioned him forward to the podium. Paul leaned against the large piece of wood. Someone had shattered his right knee. He was in excruciating pain, but he must speak. There was a great hush among the crowd, and Paul began to speak in the Hebrew language to his brothers and sisters. He told them about his upbringing and time as a Pharisee. He told them about his zeal for persecuting the church. He even told them about the Lord meeting him on the road to Damascus. Paul gave a heartfelt plea to the people before him, a plea to understand the love God has for them, a plea to consider the sacrifice of Jesus. I held the robes while people stoned Stephen, Paul said. I know the zeal you hold. It is why I left Jerusalem. Before Paul could speak again, they raised their voices and called for his death. They shouted and threw off their cloaks to attack him. They flung rocks and dust in the air. The judge did not understand Hebrew. Therefore, he did not understand what Paul was speaking about. So the judge assumed Paul must be guilty to rile up a crowd to such rage. He ordered for Paul to be flogged. So Paul was stripped naked and tied to a post. Paul could hear the whips being tested behind him. He tensed his whole body and prepared himself for what was about to take place. Then Paul remembered something. Paul was born in Tarsus. He was a Roman citizen by birth. Paul turned his head to the centurion and asked, Is it lawful to flog a Roman citizen without a hearing? The soldier stopped in his tracks, and Paul was immediately released from his chains. Yet the trial was not over. Paul would have to sit before a Roman court. Paul would with the Pharisees. If that didn't go well, he may even have to be before Caesar himself. As we hear God's word today, we find Paul and Luke back in Jerusalem. This place had been Paul's home for years, and now after a long journey, he was home. But things were different now. He was no longer a part of the religious elite. He was a man changed by Christ, by the power of the gospel working in his life. Paul was welcomed into the home of James, Jesus' own brother. He too, like Paul, had once rejected Jesus, but now because of the resurrection, Jesus' brother, his half-brother actually, is leader of the church in Jerusalem. He told Paul of the many Jews who had come to faith in Christ. These Jewish Christians were certainly grateful to have Paul with them, not least of all because he brought with him an offering for the church in Jerusalem that he had gathered from Gentile churches. At the same time, these Jewish Christians were a bit suspicious of Paul. They still observed all the Jewish laws, but word had come to them that Paul was telling Gentiles, non-Jews, and Jews alike to abandon Jewish traditions, including circumcision. This was only a half-truth. Paul did not call Gentiles to adhere to Jewish customs because they had a new identity in Christ. They are now a part of God's eternal family. 
but he certainly wasn't calling on Jewish believers to abandon their Jewish customs. This was surely a tactic of the enemy to sow division and disunity in the church. And now Paul had an opportunity to eliminate these rumors and show his unity with Jewish believers. With this in mind, James wisely counseled Paul to join four Jewish men who were going to fulfill a vow in a ceremony of purification. Paul would not only take part in the ceremony, but he would help cover their expenses for the process. Paul did just exactly as James advised and participated in the rites of Jewish purification. The ceremony actually pointed people to Christ and what Christ had already accomplished. Religious rites and traditions do not cleanse from sin. Only Christ can do that. And Paul knew this. Paul understood that there was nothing inherently wrong with the customs, but they certainly did not save or even help to save. Paul then joins with these Jewish believers as an alignment of their faith and Christian fellowship. He was practicing what he had always preached, words he wrote to the believers in Rome, reminding them not to be a stumbling block to other believers, but to do what leads to peace and mutual edification, that is, building up. Paul's biggest problem was not with Jewish Christians, but with unbelievers, both Jews and Gentiles, but in particular, unbelieving Jews who came from Asia and seeing Paul in the temple began to shout accusations at him and stir up the crowds against him. We're told that the whole city turned against Paul, and he was dragged out of the temple into the streets where the mob began to beat him. Paul certainly must have thought this was the end of his life. But the chief judge in Jerusalem sent soldiers and centurions to break up the fight, to break up the mob. Paul was rescued just in time. I imagine he had never been so glad to have been arrested. At least now he would be in safe hands for a while and he would get his day in court. Before he could be taken away to a cell, Paul managed to speak to the judge who was surprised that Paul spoke Greek. He asked for permission to speak to the crowd and the judge allowed it. Then in the Hebrew language, Paul began to give his own testimony to the Jews. He told them of how he once persecuted the followers of Jesus, but how the Lord had appeared to him on the road to Damascus and saved him. He knew how zealous that these people were, and he knew that his witness could lead to his own death, but that did not stop the Apostle Paul. Because of Christ, he was unstoppable. He continued to bear witness to what God had done in his life and how he called him to leave Jerusalem and go to the Gentiles, to go to the nations, to share the good news. What is remarkable about this is that Paul had been rescued from danger, but for the sake of the gospel, he stepped right back into the fight, telling his story of salvation in Christ. Some might call him a freak or a fool, but he was a fool for Christ's sake. He would never stop telling the wonderful things that Christ had done in his life. The crowd grew angry once again upon hearing his words, and we read in Acts 22.22 these words. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Their shouts are reminiscent of what the crowd said at the trial of Jesus when they said, Crucify him, crucify him. Paul was certainly identified with Christ, not only in life, but in suffering and rejection by his own people. The judge, who could not understand Paul's words and saw the crowd's reaction, ordered that he be flogged. 
But Paul, knowing his rights as a citizen of Rome, since he was born in Tarsus, appealed on the basis of his Roman citizenship for a just, fair hearing. This wise action by Paul meant that he would stand before a court, and we'll hear about his trial before the Council of Jewish Leaders the next time. Dear God, we thank you for the example of Paul's courage and faithfulness. May we also be courageous, bold, and brave as we share our faith. May we never allow the circumstances or consequences of our actions for Christ to stop us from being bold witnesses for him. God, fill us with your spirit that we may speak of your love and your grace in our lives and never stop until you come for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening once again to today's Bible in a Year podcast. It's been such an incredible adventure walking through the Word of God with you. I'm Pastor Jack Graham from Dallas, Texas. You can download the Pray.com app and make Bible study and prayer a priority in your life. If you have enjoyed this podcast, appreciated it, tell someone else. We now have over 27 million downloads of the Bible in a Year podcast. We're grateful for each one who is listening. So why don't you tell someone else and let others know of what Christ is doing in your life? You can help ensure that more people can hear these life-changing readings from God's Word with a gift today. To keep these gospel-centered messages reaching people around the world, please give at BibleInAYear.com. And if you want free resources as to how you can tap into God's power for your life, then be sure to go to my website, which is jackgraham.org. Again, that's jackgraham.org, and you will find plenty of resources as to how you can know Christ, how you can grow in your faith, and how you can share the love of Christ with others. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. This episode is sponsored by MediShare, an innovative healthcare solution for Christians to save money without sacrificing quality. Hello, I'm Dr. Tony Evans, and I'm excited to have you join me on this new podcast, Heroes in the Bible. Come to me, boy. You and your God will crumble beneath my feet. He beckoned the giant and said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and creator of the stars. You know, we all have giants that we face in our life. And when you understand that the greatness of God affects our ability to handle the giants of life, it will encourage, inspire, and challenge all of us to our faith in God and our growth in Jesus Christ. Look past his height and appearance, Samuel, for man sees the outward appearance. They see the strength of the man's arms, but the Lord looks into the heart. Listen to Heroes in the Bible with Dr. Tony Evans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.